Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So let's get into the Word. Let me see how far we can go today. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that the word is open to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Okay, so um, primarily, this is the first time I'll be taking this approach of teaching since we started the ministry, which is more like an expository teaching on a particular chapter of the Bible. Now, one of the things that actually builds believers is to be established in doctrine. That's one of the things that makes you not to be tossed to and fro. Uh, I, I picked the book of Third John because it's very, it's very, it's small, it's not big. It's something we can, we can go through in three sessions or four sessions as opposed to other books that will take us a lot of time. Um, so we're going to actually look at First John verse by verse. I'm hoping that we can finish in three sessions. So, um, we're going to, I'll try as much as I can to make it practical, not, not, not too theological, so that you can also get a couple of lessons from it. But the idea is just to open you up to a different dimension of teaching, which is more like expository teaching. It's one of the teachings that, it's one of the style or method of teachings that we're actually uh, losing a lot more in our generation. So, what you find out is, uh, most times when we come to church, we pick a couple of verses and, and get a message out of it. But the, the, Kenneth Hagin would say that if the, if the church will do its job, there will be no need for Bible schools. I'll say that again. That Hagin will say that if the church will do its job, there will be no need for Bible schools. What does that mean? It means actually that the church is the pillar and ground of truth, which means that when we come to church, one of the things we learn is not just how to get our needs met. We actually learn the Bible. All right? We actually learn the Bible. We actually learn the truth of God's word. So Bible school was not just meant for those who are called to ministry. Bible, Bible is the word of God, and we all have to learn it. So uh, that's the approach we're taking. So we're going to go to 3 John, and I want to, let me see. Let's see. Uh, man, I should have told you to read it at home. So let's go this way. Let's read to verse 8, and we can stop. But Let's just read. Let's read. I'll tell you when to stop. Uh, okay, let me change my translation here because I got the Amplified. We're going to use what? What do you guys have there? The New King James Version. Okay, so let's use the New King James Version. Right. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when my, when Brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no other greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who are born witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for, for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Verse 9, I wrote to the church, 
But Deotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I, therefore, if I come, I'll call to mind his needs, which he does, planting against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, to putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. 12. The mattress has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness. And you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to come to see you shortly and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Uh, I'm, I'm really praying and hoping that you all can make the Wednesday services. Because on Wednesday, I, I want to talk about guys this morning. And on Wednesday, I want to talk about the Otrephus. And, and it's an interesting character that Paul talks about in third John. That he loves to take preeminence in the church. And he speaks malicious words. And when people are doing good, he forbids them. Interesting character. So, um, he says the elder. Now, the, 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 the word elder there probably used as a minister or used in several portions of scripture but we understand that the book of third john was written by john the beloved now some theologians say and they agree that because of the persecution he didn't actually want to put his name uh that can be true but it doesn't really make any difference so he uses the word <clears throat> the elder so the first thing let, let, let's have those points up um so Number one, who is the author is written by John. Okay, so John actually wrote, there were three letters, first, second, and third. Okay, so I know when you're teaching, it's good to go from one to three, but like I said, this is the shortest we can pick up. So number one, John identifies himself as the author. He uses the word, the elder. It's the same way he references second John. Now, there is a big similarity between the styles of writing second John and third John. Now, what's the date? This was written between 19 to 95 AD, and it was written from Ephesus. So John wrote the letter between 19 to 95 AD, and wrote the letter from Ephesus. What was the occasion? Why was John writing this letter? Now, the reason I want to go through this is this: when you hear third John, what comes to your mind? Let's be honest. When you hear third John, what comes to your mind, everyone? Huh? Now, if you can't tell me, then we're not having service this morning. There's nothing you do about that. When you hear Third John, what, which verse comes to your mind? Third John 2. What does it say? I wish, you don't know Third John 2 again. I wish above all things that you may what? Prosper and what? And be in health, even as your soul prospers. But that's not the reason of the later. That's not why he wrote it. Third John was, can we use it for prosperity? <clears throat> Absolutely. But that was not his aim at all. That was not why he wrote that later. He didn't write that later to communicate prosperity. He actually wrote that later to communicate and warn the church against Deuterophos. Are you following this? Come on, I said, are you following this? So, 
that's that's where we have emphasized but that's not the the key message in that in that chapter it's just a side in fact if you as we're going to study when you study third john you realize that that was not even it was just a fraction in fact it wasn't very important to john actually there were things he was driving at so what was the occasion he was warning against a tyrannical leader named diotrephus the later of third john was actually pointing to the hospitality of gaius and how diotrephus was forbidding the people in the church from being hospitable and also the man called demetrius so what happened actually is that there were three men that were uh, used as examples in that later it talked about gaius it talked about Demetrius, and it talked about Diotrephus. These three men, Paul, I'm sorry, John was using them to highlight for us examples of hospitality. So, what was the occasion? It was a warning against a tyrannical leader named Diotrephus. What's the similarity between between Second John and Third John? Number one, both epistles address the concern of itinerant teachers and the hospitality given to them. So if you read 2 John and 3 John, go back home and read 2 John. Number two, both epistles are concerned with the relationship between truth and hospitality, but for different reasons. The emphasis of John in 3 John was about the hospitality to the saints. Number three, 2 John is a condemnation for giving hospitality to false teachers. Whereas third John is a commendation for giving hospitality to teachers of truth. So in second John, Paul, uh, am I saying Paul? John writes to, to them and condemns them for opening up their homes to false teachers. While in third John, he commends them for opening up their homes to what? To, to true itinerary teachers because you know in those days we had actually what we had we had a lot more traveling preachers than local pastors so that's why he says I'm, i have many things to write to you but i want to come to see you face to face so they had to travel and preach and there were a lot of people traveling and preaching and they were also false teachers they were also false teachers praise god you know if you have learned the truth of god's word properly when you hear a false teacher you pick it up you pick it up you just know oh no this is not true but that's when you expose yourself to truth you know sometimes if i if i know the kind of preachers you listen to i can tell your spiritual maturity because the more you are mature the more you can listen to everyone i've heard people say we are all doing god's work you know there are statements we make out of, let me just leave that second john stresses the truth of doctrine why third john stresses the integrity of doctrine so the emphasis of second john is the truth of doctrine the the the, the emphasis of third john is the integrity of, of doctrine second john is more general but third john is more personal in dealing with specific issues so in third john john is very specific he dealt with certain issues and addressed certain names he was specific in his later okay Second John is more general, but third John is more personal in dealing with specific issues. What was the destination? It was written to Gaius. So the letter was addressed to a man, 
but it was also addressed to the Christian community in the Roman province of Asia. So that is actually what you call the modern day Turkey. So this letter was actually written and sent to what you would call Turkey today. That's, that's where it was sent to. It was sent to a man, but it was addressed to the church. Okay. Now, now the, the, the man Gaius, well, we can't say which specific Gaius, but uh, we have four, is it four Gaiuses now? Can we say we have four Gaiuses? <laughs> I'll say, we have four guys named Gaius in the scriptures. Um, the, the, the one of third John, there's a Gaius who hosted Paul in Romans chapter 16, verse 23. There's a Gaius in Macedonia in Acts chapter 19, verse 29. And there was also a Gaius in a place called Debre in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Now, the one, in, the one who hosted Paul in Romans 16, and the one in Macedonia, and the one in Debre, this is not the same person. So this letter was written to a different man called Gaius, who was more like a spiritual son to uh, Apostle John. What was the emphasis of the three people mentioned there? Gaius, let's get the names of the three men. Gaius, Diotrephus, and Demetrius. Gaius was commended for his hospitality to itinerant preachers. Diotrephus was, was rebuked and condemned for stopping hospitality and wanting to take preeminence. Now, what that means is, this, is, is you can be a part of a local church... And, and you, don't, you don't go with the vision, you don't agree with the minister, and unconsciously, you begin to take preeminence. You begin to try to lead from wherever you are, and actually probably lead and cause division, and stop people from doing what they should do. It's amazing, for instance, that you can be a member of a local church, and then you stop people from being active in the local church because of the things you say. And that's what he was trying to highlight. That was the same thing Diotrephus was doing. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a leader per se, but he wanted to have preeminence. So he, he, he actually was trying to control from the background. And he wasn't doing, it wasn't a ministry of helps. This was a ministry of helps in all its negativity. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay, then we have Demetrius, which... Paul, uh, John commended. What's the background? What's the background to this? The Archephorus refused to recognize itinerant preachers sent by John and opposed them. Now, he refused. John will send people. Say, hey, go to that church. Go speak. And the Archephorus will oppose them. But he did this for personal reasons. He wanted to have preeminence in the church. So, he wasn't opposing them because of doctrine. He was opposing them for personal reasons. He was opposing them for personal reasons. So, this letter primarily was sent by John to address this issue. So, this letter is actually because the fact that he was not present physically, this letter was actually sent to address, to correct. It's, for instance, let's say I travel. You know, I'm away for two years. And I send someone to come. I send another person and I send someone else. And I discover that the feedback I'm getting is not good. So I quickly write a letter. Right. So by, let's say, for instance, I address it to one of my associate leaders. And I said, and I address that issue. That's what it, that was all happening here. Now, the reason I want us to do is that if you, if you take out your mind from third John, the whole uh, prosperity stuff, if you take out your mind from there, you will begin to appreciate the letter more. It's, it's going to make more meaning. 
So that's why I'm going through all of this. Because if you understand the purpose, now this, there's something about Bible interpretation, and I say this all the time. The Bible cannot mean to us today what it did not mean to them yesterday. Truth is constant. Uh, you understand? We, can, we, do, we do not superimpose our interpretation into scriptures. That is one of the major errors of the Pentecostal faith. And that's why, you know, most times, as Pentecostals, we are very shallow. We, we're not deep in our work with God. If you find a guy in church, go through stuff, they stop church. They get offended, they stop church. Something happens, they just walk away from church. All kinds of... It's because we're not rooted. It's almost like we come to church for someone. You know, you understand. If my pastor is nice, I'm going to come. If he starts if starts being nice, I'm going to go somewhere else. But what you find out with the evangelicals is that they're a bit more robust in terms of depth. Not because of anything, but they spend time is just going through doctrine. Once you are established in doctrine, certain things won't move you anymore. Praise God. And then another thing that we, that we had, um, if you have told my dad one time, he says, if, I mean, okay. If I have my way, if I, when I mean if I have my way, if, if, if I have my way, I would say let's spend a month as a church to study church history. And you just go, if you study, truth, if you study church history, you will not be moved by a lot of things. Because you, you recall that one of the things that made us to lose debt in Christianity was when the charismatic wave came, there was so much dependence on the Holy Spirit and the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things we did within the Pentecostal movement was that we reduced the logical use of our mind. And so somebody will come, for instance, and open third John and say, while I was sleeping, the Holy Spirit gave me this verse. And he doesn't read the whole verse. He takes a line and says he got a rema from it. And then everybody jumps with the rema. And what that happened is that 10 preachers will come and look at that same verse and we say they got different remas. So at the point of the, at the end of the day, what happens is that you become confused because then a preacher will tell you that you can look at the word of God and see many things. No, you can't. This is it. Listen very, very carefully. There can be several applications to the word, but the word has only one meaning. The word cannot mean different things to many people. It cannot. The word has one meaning, but it might have what? Different application. How do we get the meaning of the word? It is to go back to the author. What does the author intend? What was the man trying to deal with with this letter? If we can find out what John was trying to deal with, we can get the meaning. Are we together? Do, do you understand? So if I if I take third John now, I'm not reading to learn. I'm not reading. How do I put it now? I'm not reading my needs into it. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm looking at it and say, okay, fine. There was a time in 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 Rome where John needed to address something, and he wrote a letter to a man called Gaius. What was John trying to tell Gaius? That's how I read it now. I'm not reading it to say, well, I don't have my rent. Because if I'm reading it based on the fact that I don't have my rent, how many of you know I'm not going to read beyond 3 John 2? Because the rest of the, minute, the, the, rest of the verses that we read didn't make meaning to it. I know some of us, as we, as we pass 3 John 2, our brain just went off. Because that's it. That's what concerns us. So what I'm trying to say is that there is a meaning that was in John's mind when he wrote the letter. That is what contextual preaching does. Contextual preaching is not about what will benefit me. 
contextual preaching is i want to open up this scripture what does he say now after opening up the scripture i can now begin to make what application so it is not application first before exegesis it is exegesis before application what that means is i study the word in context i look at it i understand what john is trying to communicate then i ask myself how does this apply to me today are we together are you still here okay so what's the background the atrophos refused to recognize the internal preachers sent by john and opposed them he did this for personal reasons he wanted to have preeminence in the church the issue was personal and not doctrinal uh what's the purpose there are four purposes to the later number one is to commend Gaius the first thing was to commend Gaius and interesting how John wrote, writes this later the first thing he did was commendation you see what John did right he commended Gaius he rebuked he commended Gaius he condemned the actions of the Eutrephus then he commended Demetrius so it was con commendation condemnation commendation and then his final greeting so he commended Gaius he condemned the actions of Demetrius uh, and then commended Demetrius number two to warn against Diotrephus number two, three to commend Demetrius number four to inform his readers that he will be visiting soon so that's the four that's the four reasons he wrote this later number one to commend Gaius Number two, to warn against Diotrephus. Number three, to commend Demetrius. Number four, to do what? To uh, announce his arrival so they can prepare for him. What's the key word in the, in the book of 3 John? What's the key word? What's the key word? The key word is truth. T-R-O-T-H. Truth. The word truth was used most, most times it was the most common word used it was used in verse 3 it was used in verse 4 it was used in verse 8 it was used in verse 12. the word truth 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 was a big emphasis for john praise god are we together okay so let's start reading now so you you understand though now this is a summary of the whole chapter so let's begin to pick it verse by verse and see where we can stop so verse one the elder to the beloved gaius whom I love in truth. The word beloved in the Greek is also from the word agape, but it means beloved, it means esteemed, it means dear, it means favorite, it means worthy of love. So this shows us that there was a special relationship between John and Gaius. Now, that is verse 1. Now, to beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, understand the context of his love. Why did he love Gaius? It wasn't because of anything, it was because of the context of truth. So, so as we study this, this chapter, keep at the back of your mind the framework of truth. Let that word always stand out for you as we read. Always observe the word truth. Then we go to the verse 2, our favorite verse. Beloved, I pray <laughs> that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 
Then he goes on to say, For I rejoice greatly. But I answer by verse 2. Now, most of you write letters, right? Like, I don't know if you don't write letters now. You do WhatsApp. But when, you, when you're writing a letter, right? Sometimes you write, There, Maxwell, I trust this meets you well and you are well or you are okay or something. You, you understand that phrase? That like when you're trying to write a letter, I, or I trust this letter meets you well, right? Come on now. Or, uh, what, what other words do you put when you're trying to write? The first phrase you have, like, I pray you are well. I hope the family is fine. You know? So, so understand something. Understand something very, very important. That was not the emphasis of John. John, understand, was writing a letter. So he says, to Gaius, I pray or I wish above all things that you may prosper even as your soul prospers. What was John trying to do? John was greeting and in our modern day, he might not go through all of this. He might just write, I pray this letter meets you well. Or I hope it is well with you and your family. And then goes down now to what he really wants to deal with. Now, I, listen. I, never in your mind think that I'm against prosperity. Never. But I always want us to have context. Because what you now find out is we exhort verse 2 above every other thing that John wanted to teach us and we just stop there. And you know what? In doing that, we don't even learn the lesson in that verse. Because to him, this was not the most important thing. It was part of his greeting before he gets to the main message. It's like somebody writes a letter and you build all your life on his introduction. You don't even bother about the contents. Just like, dear Max, I hope you are well and you are doing fine. Say, Man, this guy just wants to do fine. No, beyond that, he really wants to communicate something to you. You know, that's to tell you that prosperity is not a biggie with God. It's just one of those things. It's not something we should build our camp around. There are deeper truths in that scripture. Praise God. As I praise God. Now, I have also read some theologians who say that, well, because, again, this was not the big thing that John was emphasizing, uh, it means that God doesn't want to prosper, so we cannot use this verse for prosperity. They are both wrong also. Because you cannot say that's not what God wants for us because if you, if you pick that out of the scripture and say, well, God wants the other things for us, God wants verse 3 to 10 for us, but he doesn't want verse 2, that's also error. Now, God wants to prosper us, but it's not the biggest thing in this verse. Praise the name of the Lord. So we don't also throw it away and say, well, it's not important. No, it is important because he says that I want you to prosper. I pray that you prosper. Is that okay? So, now, now the, 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 the issue there is, one of the issues we have there is the word pray. Now, when we hear pray, because the Bible was written primarily in three languages. The Bible was written in Aramaic, it was written in Hebrew, and it was written in Greek. Hebrew, mostly in the Old Testament, the New Testament is Greek and Aramaic. Now, setting words like the word pray, if you hear pray, what comes to your mind is the prayer we have. But 
most times that word will mean wish or desire or want. For instance, you read an old King James, it says, I pray thee come. I pray thee come does not mean I am praying that you should come. It says, I want you to come. Alright? So the best way to get that word is to put it within the context. So the best translation for that would be uh, I wish. I wish that you prosper. The, the word wish in the Greek means to pray, to pray for, or to desire. I wish or I pray that you may prosper. The word, now, follow me carefully. The word may prosper in the, in the old King James, which is may prosper in the new King James, is the same compound word in the Greek. Now, that word prosper is the word yodo, E-U-D-I-O-O. Right. Now, that word does not in context just means finances. That word in context does not just mean only finances. The word prosper, actually, in the original Greek, it means to grant a prosperous expenditure journey, to lead by direct or easy way, to grant a successful journey, to cause to prosper or to be successful. It's from the root word to be well off or to act well or to fare well. So what John was actually saying is that I pray that things are going well with you. Now that word, the word yodo, which is mayest prosper, which is prosper in that place, was used only three times in scripture. Now, how do we understand, remember I told you before, how do you interpret scripture? You must allow scriptures to interpret scripture. It's a complete book. You can't read your meaning into it. Let me give you an example. When I mention the word prosper, what's com what comes to your mind? Honestly, what comes to your mind? When I say, I wish that you may prosper, come on, tell me, what comes to your mind? Let's be honest, what comes to our mind? Finances. How many of you know that if it is finances as the first thing that comes to our mind, the tendency to misinterpret that scripture is high? If that's not what he's talking about. Come on, let's agree. It will make it easy for every one of us. Hello? If that's not what he's talking about, essentially, how many of you know that if we, if our, how, how do I put this? Uh, let me think of something now. Where I can't think of anything. If you are communicating with your wife, right? And you, 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 you speak a language and your wife has a different understanding of that language. Would you guys ever come to agreement? What's the first thing in communication? Why do you use this word in communication? I want us to be on the same page. Why do you tell people I want us to be on the same page? Why do you say that? Right? I want us to understand what? The same terms. Okay, beautiful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I, well, I don't know if it's a good word to you, but it's a good word. Uh, no, okay. Let me use it. That's what comes to my mind. When you say to an American, oh no, let me use that word. <laughs> but you, you know, okay, for, for those of you who know, I just want to use it. You know the way Americans call trousers, right? You, you know what American calls trousers. They call it a different name. Now, the first time I heard someone say, what's your size? I want to buy this for you. What can I like? Really? You, you get what I'm saying? So, if you understand, you understand. If you don't understand, blessed are thou. I pray that you understand as your soul prospers. You understand? Now, it's simple. Americans call it pants. Right. So, to them, pants is trousers. To us, pants is pants. Okay. That's all. <laughs> so, let's stop there. But you understand what I'm saying? So if Jonah writes that I want you to send the size of your soul, you know, you know, what's going to come to your mind? 
you are going to measure something different. Okay, now that's why I know this example. That's what came to my mind. You're going to measure something different. Now, will you actually get what he wants? No. What he was actually asking is, what's the size of your trousers? That's, that's, see, that's the whole thing about, it's not like, oh, God has many ways to, no, no, there's only one meaning. If we can understand it, we can all understand it. So how do we understand the word prosper here? It's very easy. Go and look for all the places where that word was used and how it was used. So there are three places in scripture, that same Greek word was used. Romans chapter 1 verse 10, let's go there. Romans 1.10. Okay. Give me the... Uh, give me the King James Version. The, the old King James. Romans 1.10. Here are the old King James. Give me the old King James. Now, now, now... Uh, who is there? You need to just be a bit fast. Now, just look up. I, I want to show you something. Look, look, look up. I want to show you. Look at the screen. Use, use the screen, right? Now, go back to the New King James. Just, just keep your stuff there. I want to show something. That's why it's important that when you're studying the scriptures, you have to read a lot of translations. Because in trying to make us understand, they get to change certain things. So you see, it says, making requests if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. That's what the New King James writes. But if you go back to the King James, the original or the Old King James, as it were, it says, making requests if by any means now at length, I may have a what? A prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. That word prosperous journey there is the same word used in third John. So if I tell somebody, I want you to have a prosperous journey, am I saying that I want you to have a journey that is full of money? What am I trying to say? Have what? A safe journey. Just have a journey where things are going. Your boss is not breaking down. You know, you have not paid and then they said elections is inconclusive and the road is blocked. Do you understand that? Just have a good journey. It's like when your husband or somebody is traveling and you tell them, safe trip. What you're actually telling them is what? Have a, if I we even use that word sometimes, oh, have a prosperous journey. We're not saying have money journey. We're just saying have a journey where things do what? Go well. So what was John trying to say? He said, I wish above all things that things may go well with you. That things will be fine with you. Right? Okay. First Corinthians 16 2. Maybe you just use the King James because the new King James alters some of those stuff. First Corinthians 16 2. Praise God. So it's used only three times in Scripture. Romans chapter 1 verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 2. Third John chapter... Uh, Third John 2. Now, here it talks about material prosperity now. It says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you live by him in store as God had prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, the word prospered here was also used for what? Finances. Why? Because what were they going to lay in store? They are going to lay whatever God had provided for them to give. Okay? Whatever provisions they got from their job was what they were going to do what? To lay aside. Okay. 
So we've looked at that now. So um, the word here is just three times. Romans 1, 10, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, 3 John chapter 2. So what it actually means is to have a prosperous journey. And it says, I want you to prosper and be in health. In health. Third John 2. Go back to third John 2. And be in health. The word health is hugiano. It means to have sound health. To be well in your body. Funny enough, it figuratively means to be uncorrupt in true doctrine. To be safe, to be sound, and to be wholesome. So when John talks about health, listen carefully. When John talks about health, he was not only referring to bodily health, he was also referring to sound doctrine. Wholesome words. Now, that, that word is used like over 10 times in scripture, but it's used in different ways. It, uh, we will not go through all those scriptures so we can progress because our time is, is, is going. It was used 12 times in the New Testament, that word health. In, 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 four, in three places, it was used as bodily health. That is Luke 5.31, Luke chapter 7, verse 10, and Luke 15, verse 27. It was used as bodily health. Secondly, it was used as doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.10, 1 Timothy 6.3, 2 Timothy 1.13, 2 Timothy 4.3, Titus 1.9, and Titus 2.1. It was used as doctrine. Several translations use several words. They use sound words, wholesome words, and sound doctrine. So that word health was not just uh, referring to physical health. It was also referring to wholesome doctrine, sound doctrine, wholesome words. Then it was also used as sound in faith. That same Greek word was used as sound in faith. In Titus chapter 1 verse 13 and Titus chapter 2 verse 2. Why is it important to study scriptures? Because sometimes, because the interpreters want us to kind of, they want to help us to understand the language, what happens is that they try to make the words a bit more uh, palatable. And in that sense, they will lose the meaning. They, sometimes they lose the meaning. For instance... <coughs> Um, I was talking to one of my mentors. He uses the New American Standard Bible, so I was asking him about Bible translations. Now, if you if you if you if you look if you if you use the New American Standard Bible, the first one was published about 1960 something to 1970 something, 1870, 1970, 18, 1870 something edition. <clears throat> that edition is a bit closer to the to the to the Greek than the New Translation. The New Translation was printed 1995 and 1996, so some words were used. Now, sometimes it's good to go to the King James or the NIV and, and the New American Standard to be able to get what, how close it was to the original Greek. Then it, it, you, it, 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 it now makes a bit more contextual meaning to you. Praise God. That's why for you to grow spiritually, you must be a serious student of the Bible. You must be a very serious student of the Bible. I mean, very, very serious. Diligent study. Okay. So, the word, go to 3 John 2 now. Uh, okay, go to 3 John 2. No, 2, verse 2. I didn't say NIV, guy. Okay, okay, go back to NIV. Thank you, I saw something now that I like. <laughs> oh yeah, go back to NIV, sorry. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Can you see this? And that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting a long way so you see how the niv translated it the niv now 
didn't use the word prosper. What did he use? He tries to get to the, the original meaning of that word. Why? That I want things to do what? To go well with you. And of course, that will also include a bit of financial prosperity. Right? Because I'm not sure everything will be going well if you can't pay your rent. <laughs> Am I right? But, but can you see it now? Can you see how he was used here? That it may do what? Go well with you. So he was just saying, listen, I am praying that things will be fine with you. Because you also know that if things are not fine with this guy, he won't be able to read the letter. Praise God. Okay. All right. So go back to the New King James because that's what I use now. Even as, even as your soul prospers, or just as, the, the old King James uses the word even as. The new King James uses the word just as. The word even as is the Greek word katos. It means according to, just as, even as, or in proportion to, or in the degree that. What I like about this is saying that your prosperity and your health is in proportion to how your soul prospers. And this is very important. Because most of us want to have money. We want to be in good health. But there's a lot of toxic in our soul. A lot of offense. A lot of bitterness. What is the soul there? The word soul is used, you know, it's used in scriptures in several ways. Sometimes it means life. Sometimes it means breath and all that. But your soul is made up of your will, your mind, your emotions, your intellect. Your soul is the seat of your feelings, your desires, and your affections. He says, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your desires, your emotions are prospering. That tells us, now this is application, that tells us that our prosperity is also tied to a large extent to how our soul is doing. And that's where there's a greater struggle. Your soul. Allowing your soul to be free by the word of God. Not having anger, bitterness, offense, backbiting, all kinds of stuff that block your soul. Because if your soul isn't doing well, it's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect the way things are going for you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's just, let's just take it gradually because I promised four sessions. So, uh, we can see build up. Okay, so you see that the prosperity of the soul, or, or his prosperity was tied to the prosperity of his soul. And you see that as John was writing the letter, this was his wish. It was his desire for Gaius. So let's look at verse 3 and 4. Probably that's where we'll end. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you observe the word in you just as you walk in the truth i have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth now i want you to pick out two things there number one john says i rejoice greatly pick out the word i rejoice greatly in verse three then pick out the word verse four i have no greater joy in two verses John tells us what gives him joy. Now, carefully observe this now. 
What did John pick out that gives him joy about Gaius or his children? Was it the prosperity he praised that they were enjoying? Come on, church, let's do this together. Was it the prosperity he prayed that they were enjoying? Was that what gives him greater joy? What was the thing that gives John joy? That the children, number one, not the truth, not truth. Stay in context now. The answer is there already. It's just to look at it. Alright? What, what's the first thing that gives him joy? That the brethren testified that the truth was where? In them. That's in Gaius now. That first of all, what should give any genuine minister joy is not how much you experience a breakthrough. Do, I, I'm going to receive an offering this morning, so I want you to prosper. <laughs> so let me just tell you, don't, let me not just finish. I say, and say you were saying that money is not important. This, you know, so I'm going to receive a special offering this morning. But I, but I need to stay with the parameters of scripture. What gives him joy? He says that the truth is in you. Meaning that you have internalized truth. That's one. Then number two, it says, what also gives me joy is that you walk in it. Because the truth that is in you, we can't know except you walk in it. So it talks about internal truth and practical truth. That whatever truth has been internalized, it is only when you practice it that he will have joy. So, the true source of joy for any genuine minister is, are these people that I'm teaching, do they have the truth in them? And outside of that, are they walking in it? Are we together? So, you can begin to see now. You, 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 now, just backing up from verse 2 into verse 3, you can begin to catch the heart of John for this later now. You can begin to say, you know, this is where John is going to, because this is what gives him joy. Right. This is what gives him joy. This is where he's going. He's, he's actually, John is now beginning to write about lifestyle. He's now beginning to point to say there's something about you that the brethren tells me about every time they come. They, they tell me about the truth that is in you and that you walk in it. And this gives me joy. This gives me joy. How many of you know that if you, if you have a child, I mean, you're wealthy, the child has everything. I mean, we used to have such kids in school then. Parents used to work in jail. They would bring them to school in, uh, then they were giving out care cars. Just came into the country. Bring them from you know, from the cars all night. Touch their palm very soft. You know, not, it's not like your palm that I've seen uh, deep and hardness of the earth. Touch their palm very soft. You always want to shake them. Lunchbox, food drinks, all kinds of stuff. Right. Nice shoes. Uniform always neat. They have a personal driver. Have everything. But here was a bit empty. Can never pass exams. Are you following that? And then so you have to understand how to make money now. You don't have air conditions. Your hands are strong. Things are tough, but your brain is working. So you know, well, you're struggling with this mathematics. I have the answer. You have meat pie. <laughs> I don't have meat pie. But you can't have everything. So my brain for your meat pie. 
your meat pie for the answer. He said, oh, no, no, I'm hungry. Okay, no problem. And the teacher flogs you. You say, okay, okay, come, come, come. Okay. <laughs> you can't be poor and not no book at the same time. Things will be very bad. Yeah, so don't have those two things. Don't mix them. If you are poor, make sure that your brain is working so that you can, <laughs> you know. But you know what? The parents were not always happy. Why were they not happy? Because the essence of school was not how well those children were taken care of. It was the fact that they wanted the children to know mathematics and to be able to pass it. Why did I use that example? The same thing with John. The biggest thing for John was not the prosperity of Gaius. It was the fact that, listen, I pray things are going well with you, but I rejoice that there's truth in you and that you're walking in it. At the end of the day, what is going to give God the greatest joy in our lives is that we have truth on our inside and that we walk in it. You know that this is the truth of God's word and you start walking in it, God is going to say, well, that gives me joy. Hello? Because, listen, if we take 3 John 2 to mean God's desire for us and I agree that God wants us to prosper, we can also take verse 3 to mean that that is what is going to give God greatest joy. Can we do that? Yeah, because if we take 3 John 2 and say, well, God wants us to prosper, then, then John now verse 3 and say, this is what gives me great joy. We can also say, well, if God wants us to prosper, this is what is also going to give God great joy. Are we right? Yeah, because we can't take verse 2 and leave verse 3. So, what was his desire for Gaius? I want you to prosper. I want things to go well with you. What is God's desire for us? God wants us to prosper. God wants, wants things to go well with us. Fantastic. Go down to verse 3. My joy is that you, you have the truth in you and you walk in truth. What is going to be God's joy too? What is going to give God greatest joy? Your prosperity or your walking in truth? Come on, honest answer. Now, what's going to give God the greatest joy? You're walking in truth. Yeah. You know why? Because honestly, there are many people who don't believe in God that are wealthier than you. Do they give God joy? No. Why? The truth is not in them. Do you know what I'll say to you this morning? Never throw away the truth in you and walking in the truth because you think it's your prosperity that's going to please God. That's wrong. And you know what I was thinking today, this morning? I mean, I've been guilty of it as a pastor. You know what I was thinking about this morning? I was saying that if we had emphasized verse 3 so much more in 3 John, verse 2 wouldn't have been a problem for us. Yeah. If that had been our greatest emphasis, if I had said, hey guys, come on, walk in truth, man. Walk in truth. The truth you know. Walk in peace, walk in long suffering, walk in joy. Just do the stuff. It will be easy. Listen, if you are a believer, the spirit of God inside of you and the fruit of the spirit will cause you to prosper wherever you go. Yeah. You will smile. You will act right. You will do what is right. Are you following what I'm saying? You will, you're not going to cheat on people. You're not going to um, do... Okay. You see, the truth of the matter is that we think if we do this, we can serve God better. I want to tell you this. Listen to me. Oh, I'm sorry to say this. I'm really sorry to say this. But I want to say, sometimes verse 2 takes us away from verse 3. Sadly, I've been a pastor for 10 years. Started pastoring at 24. 
Sometimes I've seen more people who don't have money, more committed to God than people who have money. You know why? Their money always takes them away from God. They are always busy. They always have something to do. I mean, you, I mean it's, it's, it works all the time. You see a brother who is committed to God and man, the guy learns something. Then he's nowhere to be found. Most times, the reason we're not established in verse 3 and 4 is because we have verse 2. Yeah, that's the truth. Sad but true. That's why the Bible says, you must remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Can I use this example? Holy Spirit, yeah, let me use it. I want to wrap up here because our message can go. I'm, I've done 55 minutes already, 50, 50 minutes already. So I want to wrap up here so we can go through the WhatsApp list. I can teach longer than this, but I'll tell you something. You see the, the Muslims, right? The Muslims, you know Muslims now. You know Muslims. You know what they believe about prosperity? They just believe that if it is God's will to give it to you, He will give it. If it is not God's will, there's no amount of struggle you do. Am I right? Now, you know what they just feel? Their responsibility to worship God. So they don't play with that their Friday going to mosque. Because they are just told themselves, like, listen, there's no amount of struggle you will struggle in this life if God does not want to bless you. Now, that, am I saying it's right or wrong? No, I'm just talking about how worldview defines us. Listen carefully. Please don't miss this. Listen carefully. You know what that guy does? That guy will never work for you on his Friday. He will go to the mosque. Because he believes that everything in this life comes from God. Contrast it with a believer who wants to prove that he is blessed by God by how much money he, he makes. He will not mind going to work on the day of Bible study with the hope that he will send offering to church. Listen carefully. Listen, 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 listen carefully. Even the people who employ you know that on Friday, this man that is Muhammad will not play with it. They will give him leave to go. But you, they know you can. So when you say, I'm going to church, say, church for what? For, for what? No, 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 work, work. Because you will. So listen, I'm not blaming you. Over time, we have also sent a message that the gathering of believers is not as important as our job. And people have accepted us to be so. The, 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 the gate man we had, where there was no gate in my company, the guy who was guarding the space there, on Friday, he will just come to me. I'm right. We are going to Moss. He will leave the place for us. We will be the ones guarding the place. Do you understand? Because he will tell you that, listen, if he's not going to that mosque, he will stop the job. Am I right? You will go to a filling station on a Friday by 2 o'clock. By 1, you are rushing. King and priest of the earth, the ruler of the universe. You are rushing because you know if you hit that filling station by 2, nobody will sell for you. We served in Zamfara. We had to do all our shopping on Thursday because by 12 1 in Zamfara, shops are closed. It's easy for us to spread WhatsApp messages and shout everywhere. They are spreading Islamic agenda. They want to take over the country. Their dedication demands that they take it over. Let's be honest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even some of you who work in Abuja, if you are heading to Abuja by Thursday, people will just tell you that offices will not work. So, what I'm trying to say is that their belief have made them to create a culture that even we respect. You don't mind facing appointment for Sunday. 
You don't mind. Bible study is one hour here. How many of you guys show up? No. But yeah, I wish I were all things. I will prosper. I'm being here. Oh, Baba God. This is my year. Baba God wants you to walk in truth. What's the truth? Don't forsake the gathering of believers. Let church be important to you. It does, listen, I'm not saying that you have to come because it's KDCC. Even if you don't want to be here, wherever you want to go, let God be important in your life. The emphasis of third John is not how much is in your bank account. Do you have the truth in you? And do you walk in it? You know, we can have the truth and not walk in it. Like our country. I did a bit of NGO work before I got into ministry. Go and study the youth policy document of Nigeria, one of the finest you can find in Africa. You know we have very fine policies. But what's our problem? Implementation. Everybody knows. You, they can go to Dubai and plan how they want to run the country and come back and run it down. They know the truth, but what? They are not working in it. So the fact that you know that gathering is important is also not as important as the fact that you know this thing is important and I leave it. How many of you know soul winning is important? Come on, come on. How many of you? Raise your hand. Don't worry, you'll keep it down later. Just two minutes. How many of you know soul winning is important? Okay, keep your hands down. How many of you have won a soul in the last three years? Don't raise, don't raise, don't raise. You know, I love you so much. I, I don't want to condemn you. I love you. How many of you know? How, come on, how many of you know that soul winning is important? How many of us have won soul in the last three years? Don't raise your hand. Come on now. <laughs> That's it. So what's going to give God? Look at it. I rejoice greatly, greatly, when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Verse 4. Verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know what I feel this morning? I feel this is what God is saying to us. I have no greater joy, guys, than to hear that you guys walk in truth. It's good to have the cars. It's good to have the money. Like I'm going to take some money from you this morning. It's good to have everything. But it's also good to walk in truth. It's good, to, it's good for you to know that if love is the best way, is the most excellent way, you walk in love. And that's what is going to bring God greater joy. Amen. Amen. So we have three more sessions to go through this Wednesday, sun, Wednesday Sunday, Wednesday, when we finish up. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for opening up your word to us. Father, we know that it is your desire that we will prosper. And Lord, also we know that you want us to walk in truth. And areas where we're not walking in truth, just, just the simple areas, walking in love towards one another, loving our wives, reaching out to people. Father, we just pray this morning that you'll help us in our area of deficiency to stand up in grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Have you been blessed? I said, have you been blessed? Okay, awesome. So I'm really enjoying this. We're going to go through it over four sessions. Please make sure you're in all the services and get the messages. Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng.